0: Southern Miss to, to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Yeah, good afternoon, everybody. Bob Getty, Kelly Sander, Dalton, Esquire, Stanford. Dalton J. Stanford. Dalton J. Stanford, Esquire. All from the First Bank Studios here in Hattiesburg. Another edition of the Eagle Hour. Glad you're with us around the state this afternoon. Uh, great show coming up. We're going to be talking softball. We're going to be talking track and cross country also, some baseball news uh, regarding Matt Walner and J.C. Keyes. Uh, <clears throat> yesterday, Kelly, we talked a little bit about, uh, about the musical success of Adam Doliak, former baseball player, and of course, a Hattiesburg kid, uh, for Presbyterian Christian, if I'm not mistaken. That's right, that's where he played his high school baseball. Yeah. Well, Adam's going to be on the show Thursday at 1 o'clock. So we're going to get him to sing for us and talk about baseball and all sorts of cool yes, stuff.
1: Yes, but we had to go through his management agency, <laughs> you know, to get to him. We, you know, when, when you get to be a big time like Adam, you know, there's a... a management agency, y- yes. correct. <laughs> they, they, won't, they don't let any... You know, and, and pro baseball players, whoever, it's like they can't do anything for themselves anymore. They have to go through management, you know, check right. with my, my agent, my manager. You do you have an agent? Heck no. He's Kelly Sanders. And man. you know, you know the, yeah. the actor Bill Murray? Right. You know, from saturday night live do you know he still handles all of his own stuff
0: and he's pretty successful
1: yeah i mean he makes his own bookings negotiates his own deals you know
0: right all right so adam doliak uh with the permission of his agent, uh, which really has got to Kelly, uh, on the show Thursday, and we look forward to that. Opening segment of today's show is sponsored by Dickie's Barbecue Pit, uh, proud supporters of the Eagle Hour and Southern Miss Athletics. You can enjoy their fall off the bone ribs, hickory smoked brisket, other great meats they smoke at in-house every day. And if you have an occasion coming up uh, for your church, for your office, uh, for yourself – uh, Dickies is happy to cater the event for you. You can sit back, relax and let Dickies do the cooking. And it's always good. All right. Our first guest is going to talk to us about softball. Sarah Van Syke, uh, Ben, Ben Shike. I apologize. Sarah Van Shike came to the Golden Eagles after two years at Ole Miss, finished her career up here recently, uh, with the lady Eagles softball team. And we're glad to have Sarah on the show. Sarah, welcome to the Eagle hour.
2: Well, thank you for having me.
0: Well, we're glad to have you. So, uh, so you finish. You you've just finished your softball career, and, b- and before we get to what led you here and all of that, uh, you know, when you when you ladies were playing down the stretch here, did you have any idea that your that your head coach was contemplating a, a career move uh, like Coach uh, Wendy Hogue did?
2: Um, we didn't necessarily know. Um, I think some of us, especially the ones that were older, we had an idea, and I think it was more of the idea that. We were, we understood the way that Koto really like, she, her whole life revolves around her family as it should, and we were kind of noticing how she was missing more and more of her kids, you know, activities. And we understood. I think that was like the biggest thing. We always understood where mm-hmm. like how she wanted to be a mom, and we couldn't like we can't blame her for that, you know.
0: Right. She spent a lot of time. I think there's a lot that goes into coaching that the fan doesn't see. They see mm-hmm. her out there during the ball games, and I guess they realize that you practice a lot. But but there's a lot more to it than that. She was uh, pretty much a seven day a week job, isn't it?
2: Oh yeah, absolutely. Coaching, you take it home with you. Um, it never ends, really.
0: All right. All right, Sarah. So you're a pedal panther, and yeah. uh, you played at pedal, and then you uh and actually Wendy Hoag is now. And Wendy Hell is now, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's right. right. Yeah. You uh you left Pedal, you went up to the dark side, you stayed there yeah. two years and then you saw the light and uh came back. <laughs> so how did all this transpire, ah, sir? Hallelujah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um Well I I went to Ole Miss, um, it was a really great opportunity and I don't necessarily, I don't regret going by any means. Um I made a lot of great friends up there, um but I did get up there and I found myself to be Pretty unhappy. I felt like I was in the wrong place, and it wasn't, it didn't really have much to do with, um, like the girls I play with by any means. Uh, I, I'm still really good friends with all of them. I just found myself like, um, I, I just felt like I wasn't supposed to be there, and I, it was something I thought about for months while I was there, and I didn't know it was coming to that Um, but on my mind, I was thinking about leaving after that sophomore season and looking for somewhere else. Um, I talked to my family, and you know Southern, I never really thought I would go to Southern, like it never was uh I didn't really think about it. um I wanted to go a little bit further and went from home mm-hmm. and but at that time in my life, I really felt like home like I needed to come home, and I knew toto and she recruited to me while she was at William Carey and then when I uh left on Miss like she recruited to me again even after I turned her down, so I was like, you know she was you know looking at me again even when I Completely said no to her, so I really need to like, well, I, go like give her like give this a chance because I think it would work out, and it and it did. It was a really great two years.
1: Now we were off to such a good start in our interview, Sarah. But you had no dirt, nothing bad to say about Ole Miss rats. <laughs> <laughs>
2: sorry.
1: <laughs> no, no, it's it's okay. You talked about there is a coming of age. You know, kids always talk about wanting to leave home, but I think sometimes. Uh, I think sometimes what kids don't understand is, is you can be away from home but only be ten miles away from home. You know what I mean? You can still you can still have your spread your wings a little bit. Um oh, yeah. but still be away from home. So the transition from Ole Miss to, to Southern Miss, talk about that a little mm-hmm. bit.
2: Um, it definitely was hard. Um I'm not gonna lie, even Old Miss was the hardest decision like I ever made and it it was incre it was so difficult 'cause you know, I left for two years, and people don't think about it. Oh, they're just like, oh, she's up there playing softball. Like, no, I kind of made a lot for myself. I had my friends. I had, like, my group, my people. But I was comfortable. And then, like, packing that all up and moving back home, I was kind of afraid. Like, people were like, oh, like, wow, why, why is she coming back home? And I was almost intimidated for a while. But when I got here, it was kind of the opposite. Everyone was so happy for me to be home. And uh, my friends, they were like, "Yes, we get to watch you play again," and it really come to the games. And my whole family is here, so they, they always got to come to every single game. And it it was it was necessarily like hard softball wise because it's the same game and people like that's that's the same like the game stays the same. But I think just the environment because Oxford is very different compared to Hattiesburg. Um, it's a lot smaller town. And there's not really much in Oxford if you've ever ever been up there, and Hattiesburg has a little bit more. I guess it's, it's it's just different, and if you've been there, you understand.
1: There's a lot a lot higher cover charges at the watering holes in Oxford than there are <laughs> than there are in in Hattiesburg. But I think because athletes tend to be so competitive, I think there's a natural reaction by the athletes when they contemplate transferring you know, they'll go, I don't know if I want to transfer because there might be some people who would perceive the transfer as me saying, I didn't succeed. I wasn't good enough at school A, so I went to school B. Did any of that right. kind of run through your mind, Sarah, as you were making that transition? Um, Yeah,
2: of course it did. And I think, every, like you said, everyone that transfers has that. And now I definitely don't go that way because I've, like I mean, you you grow up and in those four years, like you do so much growing, and you understand. Like by the end of it, wow, it's Division One; it's the same game. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't change, and I can honestly say that. Like the competition was still high. I still had to work extremely hard. I had to compete for a spot.
1: When you when you were growing up, did you ever have to deal with uh, the pageant girl syndrome in in South Mississippi? You know, because because South Mississippi is really big into the pageant scene and so on and so forth. Was, were you ever a pageant girl?
2: Oh, no. Oh, no, I was um.
1: <laughs> It sounds um, like the, that was the biggest insult I could have possibly <laughs> I, um, I
2: did a pageant in high school, but it was like everyone did a pageant in high school. Um, it, it wasn't my thing. I was always a tomboy. I grew up with uh, two boys next door. And I played baseball with him out in the yard and played football. And we tried, like, we tried dance, and we tried cheerleading. And it just, my mom said the first year I did cheerleading was for basketball. And she said, like, I was running up and down the court with all the other boys. Like, he's <laughs> trying to keep up with them. Like, And I was on the sideline, and my mom was like, I don't think this is for her. <laughs>
0: yeah, you wanted to, to take a couple shots, didn't you, sir?
2: Yeah. yeah. Like, I wanted to get out there and compete.
0: Right. Well, now, I see that. When you came here your junior year, you hit your first home run as a Golden Eagle against Ole Miss. Is that right?
2: Yeah, that's right.
0: That had to feel pretty good.
2: Oh, absolutely, it did. Um, And I was not ever one of those players. I I, I mean, I hit home runs, but I was more like a gap-to-gap hitter. Mm And I never even thought when I got up to the plate, like hit it over the fence because that just wasn't my game. I hit more like singles and doubles. And um, it it felt really good because – I don't, of course, it always felt good to hit it against, like, the team. And it was funny because uh, one of my teammates, she said something to me. She played shortstop, Paige McKinney. And, like, she, like, made a joke. And I, like, turned my head and, like, laughed over at her. And everyone thought I was, like, you mean. I was like, no, it's not like that.
1: <laughs> now, when you, you – we talked about you, you prepped at Pedal High School, which had a very strong slow-pitch girls' softball program. Did you play both in high school?
2: Um, my first couple years I did. And then once travel ball got – uh, I mean, I have seeing him more and more time. I played for a football team out of Birmingham, and so I was with them every weekend in the fall and slow I, I didn't really keep up with it towards the end of high school. But I did play as a kid growing up. Uh, I played for a
0: team called the Dirt Divas. Uh, i tell we you we what, Sarah, teams, hang actually. on. I'm sorry to interrupt you. Hang on just a second. We're about to hit a hard commercial break. We're going to hold you okay. over, okay? About a three-minute break, right. and we'll be back with more questions. Is that good? Okay, that sounds Sarah good. Van Schyke, everybody, on the Eagle Hour. Just completed her softball career here at Southern Miss. We'll continue our conversation with Sarah right after this. You're tuned in to the
3: Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top.
0: Welcome back to the show, everybody. Glad you're with us this afternoon from the First Bank Studio in Hattiesburg. Luke out, Bob and Kelly uh, here in Hattiesburg this afternoon. We're talking to, to uh, Sarah Van Schyke, a softball player for the Golden Eagles. This segment sponsored by Campus Bookmart and CampusBookmart.net. We say it every day, great selection of Southern Miss apparel, new stuff coming in just about every week. Textbooks, of course, you can buy, sell, rent, do everything you need to do with your textbooks. But more importantly, if you're just looking for some great Southern Miss swag, you can always visit them on Hardy Street or go to campusbookmart.net. All right, Sarah, I want to get back to to something Kelly kind of raised before the break, and that was slow pitch versus fast pitch softball. We're a lot older than you. Back when, when my daughter was playing softball, she played a lot of travel, slow pitch softball, really all over many parts of the country played junior mm-hmm. college slow-pitch softball for a couple of years. And one thing that we always observed about slow-pitch softball was that everybody on the field had to be pretty athletic, at, you know, at the travel level because you're lobbing balls up there. They're going to hit it. People are slamming, right. <laughs> slamming softballs at you, right? So mm-hmm. I know fast pitch is a different game. Did you enjoy slow pitch? and How would you compare the two sports?
2: Um. Yeah, I played slow pitch growing up, and I mean it was fun. And defensively, I don't think there's much difference. Like you said, like they're going to hit the ball. Um, the field's a lot bigger. I think the mindset of fast pitch is what separates the two. And of course, it's a smaller field. It's super fast paced. Um, that's the biggest comparison to baseball too. Is mm-hmm. that softball's a lot faster paced? Yeah. And.
0: Well Uh, you know, and I notice too, every time I come to a to a softball game, I'm struck by the size of the field. It does seem Mm -hmm. like a very compact area that a lot of stuff is going on inside of it. Am I correct about that? No, you're right, yeah. In a way, Kelly, sort of like when you look at arena football compared to outdoor football, the playing area is so compressed that really strikes you. Yeah, but
1: you know, you were talking about the comparison between slow pitch and fast pitch. Well, you talk about, though, in the fast pitch game, the pitcher being at a premium.
0: Right. You know, if you're a That's fast right. pitch pitcher and you're good, but you right. can pretty much write your own money, you know, print right. your own money. Pitcher-catcher. Mm-hmm. And I know, Sarah, you, you've done a good bit of catching in your career. In many yes. ways it is a pitcher-catcher game, is it not?
2: Yeah, and I think in the past couple years we've seen hitters get a lot better. Mm-hmm. Um, but you you still have pitchers that can go out and shut someone out for seven innings. And that's pretty
0: impressive, right? So you're experiencing now what I guess every athlete at some point experiences, and that is that you you go home and you realize that your eligibility is gone. Correct? You you you've, you've <laughs> yes. played your time. How hard is that? What what goes through your mind?
2: Um, it's, it definitely hit me. I was like one of the ones that hit me immediately. Even like when like we ended our last game, and I think it it doesn't define me like my sport doesn't um, by any means. And I think it's so the the biggest issue is you don't have a team anymore. I've been surrounded by twenty two girls my whole life, and um, it was kind of automatic, you know, twenty two best friends and sisters. And I don't have that anymore.
0: Mm -hmm. So it's an adjustment, right? In
2: competition, yes. Right,
0: it's an adjustment. It's an adjustment for you.
2: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
1: So what's the dream job now, Sarah, going forward?
2: Um, the dream job is, well, right now I want to finish school. I still have one more year in my bachelor's degree, and then get my master's. And I really want to be a sports dietitian, and hopefully one day be a professor, and do some research, and teach.
1: There you go. I think I'd want mm-hmm. to be a dietitian for a football team,
0: because... You just, yeah, you,
1: just you just said, just eat everything, guys. Just <laughs> yeah. eat everything. All right,
0: Sarah, well, we appreciate your time. You gave us one of the best images we've had all week, and that is a cheerleader at a high school <laughs> basketball game running up and down the floor with the basketball team. That's that's a good <laughs> one, Sarah. <laughs>
2: well, thank you all for having me.
0: Hey, it's our pleasure, and uh, we wish you nothing but the best of luck dear. Thank you. All right, Sarah Van Scheik, Everybody uh, just finished her career. It's got to be an adjustment for those kids. That's an
1: interesting last name too. Van Van Scheyck. Van is Dutch, right? Okay, and Scheik is very German. The right. way that the way that that right. is spelled. So
0: Sarah Van Scheik. Yeah, spelled S H what A I K S C H yeah. S C H A I K. All right, a little baseball news. Uh, J C Keys uh, has inked his contract uh, with the Cincinnati Reds. Uh, He, of course, appeared in 63 career games as a Golden Eagle. He begins his professional career at the rookie level, Greenville, Tennessee Reds of the Appalachian League. And as I recall, Kelly, when we talked to him uh, a couple of weeks ago, he mentioned Tennessee. He was a little concerned he was going to get sent to South Dakota. I got the impression J.C. did not want to go to South Dakota. But you
1: know what? South Dakota this time of year, look, at, he can look at the the really bad side is if he got sent to South Dakota in uh, you know January or February. But baseball being a summer sport, it probably would have been tolerable. But Tennessee, from a geographic standpoint, obviously a lot of people here could go see him play if they wanted
0: to. All right, so he's with the Greenville Reds of the Appalachian League. The Reds begin their play tonight. Is they host the Kingsport Mets, and obviously that would be a franchise of the New York. Mets. And Kingsport also in Tennessee. So I'm sure all right. those teams are
1: pretty close together. Though.
0: Matt Walner signs his contract with the Minnesota Twins organization. It's about time. He owes me two hundred thousand bucks. <laughs> yeah. so. He has been assigned to the rookie level <laughs> Elizabethtown, Tennessee Twins of the Appalachian League. Well, they could bump heads here, they, couldn't they? They could. Keys might be throwing against Walner in the yeah, future. And they began their season Tuesday. On June eighteenth, no, no details of any of the contracts released. If you were going to guess, Walters, a 39th pick in the draft. Well, I,
1: no, I was hearing, I was hearing one point eight million. Is that what you heard? That yeah, that's kind of what I, I yeah. heard. But but understand, that was nothing official. I was just you right. know, That's just what that's I just heard.
0: Like an average year for you in the insurance business, isn't it? Oh gosh, yes. You yeah. know, yeah, right. All right. So size these two kids up. Let's start with JC Keys. Here is a kid. Played all of his ball right here in, in the community of Hattiesburg. Uh, 92, 93 mile an hour fastball. The night he pitched against Ole Miss so well, in all honesty, Kelly, it wasn't fastballs. It was it was off-speed pitches, and he's got a tremendous curveball. And he kept Ole Miss off balance with off-speed and curveballs. Can you do that at the professional level?
1: Obviously, the Cincinnati Reds thought so, and what? they thought so early in his career. A lot of teams early in his career said that that the curveball, of course, when you get up to the major league level, you can be throwing at ninety eight. Those guys are going to hit a fastball, right? If there's no movement right. on it, right? So they said from from the get go that his uh, breaking ball had big league stuff. The thing you like, the thing I love to see about J.C. Keys, and he'll be the first one. You know, he was on the show when we were talking about it a little bit. He's not your prototypical six five, two hundred and thirty five pound pitcher. He might he might go five eleven, maybe. You know, that would be stretching it. And maybe 170 pounds. So he's not one of those really big guys, but the living proof that if you work, develop your stuff, you know, spot your pitches
0: you'll um, get that chance and he's a great kid you have to really be rooting for him don't you don't you think he's
1: very respectful to me and who el- who does that i don't know of anybody <laughs>
0: right. than- and what does jc stand for we joseph charles joseph charles which he was just stunned
1: when you brought that up on the air I mean. there are, our crack research staff always comes up with the good <laughs> stuff here on the show hey, so well-
0: you're saying movement's more important than speed well speed is part
1: of the movement but I'm just saying, if you're just going to rear back and throw a flat fastball down the middle, it could be a hundred, and those guys are going to crush it. Yeah, okay. you know. So you, it's all about deception. I mean, one of the best pitchers of all time, and nobody will argue this, was Greg Maddox, mm-hmm. right, with the Atlanta Braves. Maddox threw in the in the mid low to mid 80s. Mm-hmm. So when people get all wrapped up in velo, but but the thing about Maddox is he could move it in and out. He could high, low, where, wherever you told him to throw it, he could put it right on the money and at different speeds and that's the key to being an effective pitcher as opposed to a thrower.
0: Now obviously Matt Waldner goes much higher in the draft. He comes into the league as a hitter. I watched a little professional baseball last night after the World Series game and uh boy Kelly I you know I, I hope he does very well don't misunderstand there are a lot of big strong guys hitting baseballs in major league baseball
1: but the, but the home run hitters those are the glamour boys right
0: that's what people pay to see is
1: those guys knock the ball out of the ballpark now as right. a coach the downside to a home run hitter is if they don't hit a home run what do they usually do
0: truck out they do
1: there's a lot of that right. so so there's give and take uh, he's obviously going to be able to fit that that role as a power hitter I'm sure one of the things that that the bigs will look at and try to work with him on is using the entire field because he's not going to get great stuff to hit You know, if he, if he just does sit back there and, and rake home runs. Mm-hmm. So to use the entire field, go the opposite way when he has to, and I'm sure that's one of the things, but, but there's no doubt, the glamour guys, they're going to get the big money if you can hit the long ball. You know, I think one of the best hitters of all time was Wade Boggs. Mm-hmm. Right Now Wade Boggs wasn't a big home run hitter, but man, he'd hit almost 400 every year. Right. You know, left field, right field, up the middle, didn't matter.
0: How do you how do you evaluate the difference in pitching a kid like Walter is going to see? How, how much better is the pitching going to be uh, in the leagues that he's about to go into?
1: Now? Well, to kind of to kind of go back on what we just talked about, you're going to see pitchers now who we're, we're pitching is an art form. They study, they know your tendencies, they know your your nuances, they know where your weaknesses are. They'll try to exploit your weaknesses, and usually at that level. If they're worth their weight in salt, they're going to put it right where they want to put it. So Matt needs to be able to recognize what his weaknesses are, you know, if if he has any, right? right? and get better at those because that's what they're going to attack.
0: All right, coming up, we're going to be talking about cross-country running, and that, that's right in Kelly's wheelhouse, the 5K, the 6K. Oh,
1: there's there's nothing I enjoy
0: more than being at a cross-country meet, sitting there watching them run. So Victoria Hoppy <laughs> is going to be our next guest, and she and Kelly have a lot in common. We'll explore all of that when we come back. Southern Miss, to the top. To the top. You're tuned
3: in to the Eagle Hour.
0: And hey, welcome back, everybody. We're glad you're with us this afternoon. This segment sponsored by Four Street Bar and Grill. Our buddies uh they have great plate lunches five days a week. Great sandwiches. Man, we had a broadcast down there a couple three months ago and just it really enjoyed the sandwiches, huh, Kelly? And
1: Thursdays, you know, they have the, the grilled pork chops too. You like that. Oh, don't I, you? I do, yeah. You the, like the, that.
0: Nice, nice thick. Uh, cut
1: of meal. and how much know. is it kelly 8.95 i'm glad you asked bob but that that's not normally you know when you go to places they, they say oh it's only you know eight bucks but then the drink is twelve dollars you know no no 8.95 right. includes the drink so
0: one of the things kelly enjoys doing after running five kilometers six kilometers five thousand meter sprints is going to four street bar and grill and relaxing a little bit
1: america baby
0: and our next guest knows a lot about uh, what Kelly goes through. Victoria Hoppy uh, just finished her track and field career at Southern Miss. And uh, Victoria liked running long distances, Kelly. 5K, 6K, 5,000 meters, 3,000 meters. I get tired just thinking about it. And that. one would think with a name like Hoppy that she'd be a high jumper. <laughs> <laughs> we welcome Victoria to the Eagle Hour. Are you still with us, Victoria? You hadn't hung up on us, have you, dear? I uh, know here. All right, well, good deal. We're glad you're here. Uh, so what prompts a young lady to want to do all the running that you have undoubtedly done in your young life?
3: You know, running wasn't necessarily like the first thing I jumped into once I hit puberty. I tried like I tried like soccer and volleyball and these kind of contact sports and found that I was completely uncoordinated and had <laughs> terrible death perception. <laughs> And so then somebody was like, "Oh, I think my soccer coach at the time was also the track coach." You know how the small private schools are. It was like, "Hey, why don't you come off for track?" And like literally the first day when I was twelve, they were like, "Oh yeah, you're a distance runner," and it just it just stuck.
0: <laughs> yeah, so that's that's what you ended up doing now. Now to do that on a Division One level and be the long distance and cross country runners. I'm curious, when you're training and you're in the middle of the season, how many miles a week do you run, Victoria? The
3: average
1: would
0: be between 50 and 60 miles a week. D- no, 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 running. We're talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> did you say 50 to 60 running. miles a week? Yes.
1: Wow, I don't know what you did to deserve that.
0: <laughs> you know, did you talk about
1: sprinting? Because the layperson would think, you know, running is running. Right, but but we've talked with some of the sprinters, and they say, "Oh no, a lot lot different technique um, oh, yeah. between long distance running and sprinting." Educate us a little bit from your point of view, Victoria.
3: Well, the sprinters um, obviously have to work a lot more on their form because they're running such a short distance. They have to make sure that their technique is just like out of the ballpark. But you know, for distance, if you watch the Olympics and you see these marathons and how these runners are. Some people have, like, really weird running forms, but it's fine because they're, like, the best in the world at it. So it doesn't matter. So for us, it's more about training with endurance and, and the elements that's just, like, so rainy or windy or something. Like, whereas other um, parts of the track may hold off because it's not safe or productive for them. Our coaches, like, get out there. You gotta because they don't they don't cancel our races unless there's lightning. (laughs) Hmm. So if the whole meet's called off, the distance race is still going, and um, so we have to really like you know double down on the mileage and on the endurance and being mentally like strong enough to handle like whatever is thrown at you.
1: What what, weather-wise, what are the toughest conditions for you to run in?
3: For me, wind. I'm I'm like really skinny. So I just get blown into, like, lane four when I'm on the track. <laughs> it's like – and it's, like, it's pretty difficult like that. The rain is kind of refreshing, but the wind, like,
1: knocks me
0: right down. <laughs> Victoria, I have heard Kelly say the same thing, that being as skinny as he is, that it, it's difficult to get outdoors Well, with, look, with
1: when it. you're running 50 to 60 miles a week, of course you're going to be skinny. <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right. Now I got a layman's question for you. I'm sitting here looking at your stats and I see that that your best time in the five thousand meters outdoors was eighteen minutes seven point fifty nine seconds and I may be reading that wrong. That was in I'm sorry, that was indoor, but outdoor it was thirty seconds faster. So what is the difference in running outdoor and indoor? Um the distance
3: is um an indoor track that track is 200 or 300 meters long, whereas an outdoor track is at least 400. Mm-hmm. So there's more laps on the indoor track. So mm-hmm. one might think it's easier to pace, but what happens is you think you're running so fast because by the time you hit a curve, you're already on a straight back onto a curve, that you just like totally, you sometimes you space out, or because there's so many of us packed into a small track, it's hard to get around each other. It's hard to pass people on a curve.
0: Mm-hmm. How uh, far is 5000 meters?
3: 5000
0: meters is 3.1 miles. How much 2.1 miles? 3.1 3. 3. 3.1 miles. Okay. Yeah. She can run that in 17 minutes, Kelly.
1: That's faster than a 6, mi- six mile an hour clip, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah. or, that's uh, moving.
3: That's like I mean it's it's a it's a bit under a 6 minute mile. It's probably I don't know. I'm pretty sure that's like a little under like five forty five a mile.
1: Well we've all we've all heard the adage pace yourself in, in a in a race of that distance, Victoria, what's what's the, the key to pacing yourself? You know, do you do you kind of hold back and then the last thousand meters kick it into gear? What what would be a perfect strategy for a five thousand meter race?
3: Everybody's different for me. It was more about trying to be as consistent as possible. What happens to most of us is that you go out the first mile relatively faster, obviously you have more energy Mile two, you kind of have to really focus on, like, being present so that you don't, like, lose that time. And then the last mile, most people, like, just, again, kick it back into high gear because, I mean, you're up finished, So, like, who cares if you're, like, exhausted at that point?
1: Now, see, that's a little different for me because coming up on the third mile, I'm begging for God to take my life. <laughs> <laughs> I think yeah. we all are. <laughs> so how does a girl from Homestead, Florida, which is down there by Miami... Uh, get to Hattiesburg,
3: um, because they, they recruited me. I mean, they really, they really doubled down. Um, our, my coaches, um, John Stewart and Aaron Kent, they really like sent me two, three letters trying to get me to come up there. And eventually, I was like, yeah, okay, you know, I'll go check it out. And I like ended up super loving it. And within like a week or two, I I committed to the school. Yeah, but you
1: you talk about culture shock, though, going from a million-person metropolis of Miami to, you know, 60,000-person Hattiesburg. I'd imagine that was a culture shock for you, yes?
3: It, It was, but, you know, I don't think it's that big a deal. Some kids come and, like, just can't handle it, but I like the idea of being in a new place, a new culture. You know, I loved that it was a smaller town in a sense that I never had to, like... Track people down to find out what they were doing. If I wanted to, like, find out what my friends were doing on a night that you know I didn't have much to do, I was able to. I was sorry, with my dog. <laughs> I was able to just go and and find them, and it was like way easier than having to text like twenty thousand people.
0: Right. Well, we hear so many athletes say what you just said. I didn't know mm-hmm. much about Hattiesburg. I came to visit. I fell in love with the place. What was it yeah. that attracted you?
3: Um, you know, I, I don't know. I love that the school was, like, pretty much in, like, the center of the town. I thought that was so cool that you could just be driving on, you know, the highway and, and you could see it. And then I liked that there was this sense of school pride. You saw something misstep everywhere. Being from Miami, obviously, the big university here is the University of Miami. And you would think, oh, that's centrally located. There's, there's a lot of people that are obsessed with UM. And, yeah, but, you know, most of their arenas and stuff, they're not... On campus, like we a lot of commuters and stuff. There isn't seven myths too, but like you have to really dig to find the dorms at UM, You know, right. whereas everything's like right there. It was, it was a really big sense of community.
1: Right, I've heard I've heard that too from visitors from the Hattiesburg area. They will right. say everything in Hattiesburg is no more than a fifteen minute drive. Yeah, no matter really so where easy. you live.
0: You know, there's plenty it was 30 of thirty
3: minutes for me to get to my high school from from my house. Right.
0: Wow, in Hattiesburg, yeah, you have plenty of things to do. But yet it's not so big that it's cumbersome to get around. That, right. that would be mm-hmm. that would be my all right, so are you back in Florida?
3: Yes, I moved back to Florida, I'm back at home, job searching, you know, the typical fun post grad stuff.
0: Uh, so what's what's <laughs> what's in the plans for you now?
3: I'm looking I'm looking at jobs in the hospitality field. I'm looking around all of the really nice mm-hmm.
2: hotels
3: and resorts and event venues in Miami and just yeah, you know, trying to get my way in somewhere. It's exciting. It's like, hectic,
0: ought, to, ought to be plenty of fine. those, right? Ought to be plenty of those down there.
3: Yeah, yeah, there is. There's, there's a lot of hotels and stuff. The biggest thing I've run into is, um, it, it being Miami, they really want you to be bilingual. Mm-hmm. And like I understand and read Spanish, but I'm not necessarily quick enough to have like a fast paced conversation.
1: Right. So, so I just
3: downloaded the Duolingo app, and I'm like working on it. <laughs> so so so
1: being able to speak German would not be that big of a plus, I guess. <laughs>
3: I mean, I guess being able to speak anything other than English would be a plus because there's so many different nationalities here. Right. But I am working on it, and that's what counts. You Are you back at your
0: parents' house? Yeah, our parents oh, great. Yeah. You can always come back home, can't you, Victoria? <laughs> and, he, and I
3: know my entire apartment's in a loft.
1: Victoria, Victoria, it. here is here is to hoping that you find a job that pays you a hundred thousand dollars a year and you only have to work twenty hours a week. How about that? There you go. Oh, that'd be
2: great. I'm looking for it. <laughs>
1: Victoria,
0: thank you for being on the show, dear. Good luck to you. All right,
2: thank
1: you. Tell so your parents much. we you said
0: hello. Okay. All right, Victoria Hoppy, everybody on the Eagle Hour. We'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs> that is. What Southern Miss to the top. Hey, welcome back. This segment is sponsored by Gulfport Home Center, our good friends down on the Mississippi Gulf Coast with a huge selection of pre-manufactured housing, whether it be your first home, your second home, your weekend home, your hunting facility, uh, whatever you're looking for, they've got quality homes, uh, make it easy for you to buy them. And uh, we thank, their, thank them for their support of the Eagle Hour Gulfport Home Center if you're in the market for a pre manufactured home.
1: You know, Victoria Hoppy, that was just on here, Bob, she was talking about, you know, she was raised in the Miami, Florida uh, area, Homestead, Florida, where she's from. There's a big NASCAR and IndyCar track down there. But, um, uh, she was talking about the University of Miami, you know the U. Of M. And and I don't think most people realize, and I think and I think I'm right on this. I think that the University of Miami is a private school. I'm not sure. Yeah, but but I think yeah, I'm not sure because um, sometimes when it's it's called the University of or whatever, you think yeah. it's a it's a public school, but. It, If I'm not mistaken, I think it's
0: private. Adam Doliak on the show Thursday at 1 o'clock along with Patrick McGee. You know, this show's been different in a lot of ways, Kelly, and one of the things we've always done is we've always made sure that we talk to kids that play in, and I don't know how to describe these sports, not the glamour sports, not football, baseball, basketball. Fringe? Fringe sports. But then you have a show like today, and you've got – Sarah Van Schyke and Victoria Hoppy, And how delightful was it talking to those two kids? I mean, they're just so much fun to talk to.
1: And they reach, they reach a, a maturity level, if you will. All, all kids obviously do at some point where they have the ability to appreciate what they have. Right. Because lots right. of times you hear people say, oh, I want to get out of Hattiesburg. And I get that. But right. It's not necessarily Hattiesburg. It could be I want to get out of Toledo or I want to get out of Des Moines. But after they're gone a little while. You know what?
0: Looking back, it wasn't right. so bad. was It, <laughs> it really, it really was. So Sarah comes home. Victoria goes back home, and moves right back in with her parents. And you know they're going, yes, Victoria, you can come back home, but find a job. You got to find a job. And that sorry
1: boyfriend of yours has got to, <laughs> has got to go.
0: So we will continue to do this on this show because we just enjoy talking to these kids. And, you know, you've been with me a lot in the last couple of weeks. We've had some pretty delightful conversations with track and field athletes, softball players. And, you know, kind of kind of uh, rewinding toward the the spring sports. But, you know,
1: Bob, before you blink with the the. the football team is going to report, the marching band, the pride, of, you know, the pride mm-hmm. is going to be back on campus, the Dixie Darlings, all of the, the cheerleaders, the mascots, everybody in the support roles that they have for football season. I'm telling you, before you blink, it'll be here. It's amazing it's how it It's always an
0: exciting time of the year, too, We just get a little bit of fall in the air and you can hear the band practicing out on the field in the afternoon. That's always pretty cool.
1: And the football team, you know, kind of reports there, I guess, a couple of weeks before the first game. But the, the band is out there long before that, right. you know, going over choreography and, and picking out show music and things like that. So
0: it won't be long. All right, Kelly, here's a serious question. What, do you, what would you say to Southern Miss fans who say, and I think there are these people, yeah, football, football's coming back and, and yeah, I'm yeah, I'll, I'll go, but it's just not like it used to
1: be. It's all about managing expectations. Okay? In any relationship, mm-hmm. in this case being a fan team relationship or if you're husband and wife, whatever, relationships are going to evolve. They're going to change mm-hmm. because the people involved change. Mm-hmm. It's natural. So if you understand that it's not going to be the way it used to be, It doesn't mean you can't enjoy it the way it is and accept it for what it is, Mm -hmm. and it's probably going to evolve again in another 10 or 15 years when the rest of the schools get sick of the Power Five domination and they decide to break off and Mm -hmm. do their own thing. You see that day coming. It has to, because it's all about the bottom line, and you can only kick the guys around so long before they band together and say, we're not... Like Peter Finch in Network goes to the window. I'm sick and tired of it, and I'm not going to do it anymore. Right, you know. Right, so right. I, I just think from a bottom-line financial standpoint, the smaller schools will have to, to bind together
0: and say, we're done. And particularly in football, the gap gets so wide that you, you realize that 20 years ago, 15 years ago, when you and I would go to Tuscaloosa with every expectation that Southern Miss could win that football game those days in college football are
1: very very rare now. and you point football for sure but even look at baseball how many of the and again good good for them that the SEC has this figured out that they had all these schools in the College World Series mo money mo money right. more money they get to host the regionals
0: they get to host the super regionals right. never leave your never leave your your uh, dorm or your apartment and play your way all the way to the World Series and good for them right? you know that they've no, got it yeah, figured out yeah
1: but but sooner or later the have-nots are going to band together and say we can't do it. We just can't continue to do this.
0: I heard Todd Munkin say that that he thought he thought the the the, uh, the mid-major football programs ought to quit playing the Power Five schools and let them, He said let them play themselves. Let them play with each other all year long. And when they get used to those six and six records. As opposed to those nine and three records, then maybe they'll want to share some of the money. But but why don't they at this point? Why don't the mid majors Because they keep they keep they need the money. It's the bottom line. It's an endless cycle. M- money walks and you know or no well, money talks the and power you know what five walks. gets richer, the mid majors struggle more and more and more.
1: And like I said, at some point the buck's gonna stop somewhere, right. literally and figuratively. All right, are you
0: here tomorrow? No, I'm off tomorrow, but he'll be back Thursday and Friday. Thursday, okay. We'll look forward to that. Yeah, we'll Adam,
1: be, Adam will be here Thursday, right? He'll Adam be Adam here Doliak. Thursday
0: at 1 o'clock, Adam Doliak. Now you can hear him every night on the College World Series, and uh, we're looking forward to talking to Adam. We'll be back tomorrow at 1, everybody. Until then, Southern Miss. To, to the, the top. Time keeps on
3: slipping,
2: slipping, slipping into the future.
3: Go to the sea. I fly like a new let my
2: spirit carry me. I want to fly like a eagle till I'm free. I'll go the free to...
0: A super talk Mississippi yeah. Media Production.